This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Christmas Everest, the podcast that ate the other 16 chocolates from John Lennon's advent calendar. Yeah. Eight each. What a bonanza day that was. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Yoko. Stop crying. Now, I don't know about you, Ian King Kong King, but I'm starting to feel that it's getting a little bit Christmassy up in this bitch. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I mean, you've got your quality in street in your possession. I have. Yep, they arrived today. I posted the this uh, on Twitter, and it attracted quite a lot of interest. Yeah, I saw that. It attracted a lot more interest than you would expect a photograph of a tin of chocolates. I mean, I only got called an absolute monster about five times, and one of those was you. Damn straight. I, I consider that a success. It got 70-something likes. Yeah, well... And so I'm assuming that every single one of those likes is on my side. I'm feeling pretty festive myself. I've managed to sustain my first nut-cracking injury of the season. And how did you do this? Don't say cracking nuts. Well, yeah, I was. Well, I mean, trying to crack nuts. I know you. That's exactly the sort of thing that you would say, well, and then just sit looking very smug about. I was. I was trying to crack a nut. Oh, we've got these almonds that are nails. They are an incredible, incredible. Well, that's the defining feature of an almond. Well, yeah, it? but we had. I had some almonds before. And I think they were from Aldi, and they were like depleted uranium, weakened almonds. Which I quite enjoyed, but these these are Tesco almonds and they're more robust. And I've got a blood blister on the palm of my hand from a nutcracker pinch. So Christmas is now officially on. Okay, well that's one more injury than I'm going to get. Well, yes, that's because you don't eat nuts. Well, I do. You know, I'll eat a peanut. I'll eat a pistachio. You've just named two nuts that don't need cracking. You know, I don't mind walnuts and what have you but stuff like brazil nuts and uh and what you know especially almonds the cost benefit ratio just isn't there do you know know? brazil nuts can actually be very injurious to the health if you eat too many of them so that that would be my um psa for this podcast series is don't eat too many brazil nuts because you yeah, can really I'm... seriously do yourself some damage. Like liver failure, death. It's a form of heavy metal poisoning. Right, interesting. Which, okay. I mean, I wish someone had told me that when I'd also discovered that a box of Just Brazils was delicious. But, you know. But we are where we are. We are where we are. <laughs> now you have to wear a catheter of 24 hours a day. Out of both ends. The three, two, one Christmas special. I hope you were doing the fingers there. Three, two, one from December the twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. Yeah, this is the first of a two parter, really, isn't it? Mm. Two programs from the same day. The next two podcasts, both from the same day and the same channel, and the same fact. channel. Yeah, different ends of the day. 
Uh, I looked up when this was on. It was on at five past five in the afternoon. Classic uh, prime time slot for three, two, one. Three, two, one was the quiz show, the monolithic Saturday prime time evening quiz show with Ted Rogers and Dusty Bin. Yeah, it ran for about nine years, I think. Yeah, it ran. Well, I mean, strictly speaking, it ran for ten years, but the the final year, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, it was basically just a couple of specials. It's based, as mentioned in the opening titles, on Uno dos tres, a Spanish quiz show. I looked into that. I think it sounds a lot better than this shit. Yeah, I've 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 not I've not YouTube searched for it, but I I'm, I'm minded to. Now, my question to you regarding this particular episode is it is there any reason that you chose 1980 uh no it's just the first one i saw it's just the first one because i don't know if you know this but in 1978 and 1979 mm-hmm. both of the 321 christmas specials were played with celebrity contestants oh, unlike right. this episode which had normal contestants oh right okay normals yeah the 1978 episode go on was won by terry wogan and Clodagh rogers okay and the 1979 episode was won by barbara windsor and john inman I told you I'd uh, I'd managed to find a fact that was going to make you be sick with grief. I'm not sick with grief, you know. <laughs> See, the thing is that I he's been sick with grief. No, my feelings on three, two, one are very mixed. I'm surprised by that because mine are extremely straightforward. Extremely, extremely, <laughs> extremely straightforward. Yeah, I am. On the one hand, it's a fucking idiot show for idiots. It's, yep, yep, yep. it's, you know, let, let me just get it out of my system. It's halfway between a quiz show and a light entertainment show or a variety show. Because what you're... The ulti- worst variety show yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah, a really shit variety show. <laughs> um, and it kind of works in a, at least in a linear sense, on the Christmas episode. Because Christmas is such an easy subject. Yeah. You know? They've gone for Cinderella. Do you know what I mean? They, they haven't gone for their... Yeah. Oh, look, I'll put it this way, right? They haven't gone on their Christmas special for Christmas. Well, no, but they had a theme for every episode, I believe. Yeah. So, obviously, the Christmas one was easy, an easy one to pick. But that's the thing, that in the normal episodes, the themes are really just ropey and nothing much to do with oh, anything. Oh, they're quite, really quite apart from yeah, this then it's really kind of, it's just really shit uh, and um <laughs> but the thing yeah. is that that shitness makes it weird and adds to its weirdness which is why i have mixed feelings on it because you can't fucking deny to me that's some no, weird well, shit mm. three two one it is some fucking weird i mean when the program begins with old ted rogers bouncing down the stairs and it's sort of quite futuristic looking and silvery yeah this set but at the same time most of the audience are fully mental and look look like they should be on 
some kind of institutional bus. Yeah, it's... There's, there's old ladies there who've got their coat and hat on. Yeah, I did notice how many very old people there were in the studio. I'm pretty sure I saw the Yorkshire Ripper. <laughs> yeah, but... I, well, <laughs> Which, the, the that's a concern. Is, the, what you've got to bear in mind is that these programmes weren't always recorded in the evenings. You know, when no. they were they were all pre-recorded, obviously, this didn't go out live. Um, but anything that went out pre-recorded, it would often be, you know, the performance of it. Because it is a live studio audience. Yeah. Well, they were alive when they started. Yeah, might, might well be at 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Does that make it more or less likely that the Yorkshire Ripper might have been there to watch the recording? That depends on his shifts. <laughs> Right now, please, come along with you and meet our new hostesses with us for the new series. And here they are, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Fiona, I'm Alison, and I'm Libby. We've got a new series coming up of uh, 321 in January. Yeah. So they take this opportunity to introduce us to the new hostesses. Yeah. And they introduce themselves, Fiona, Alison and Libby. Yeah. No, no surnames. No, so no, what no. we what we need you for, you don't need surnames. And we also meet Mike Newman and Chris Emmett, who are part of the sort of repertory company mm. of players. I believe that this repertory company of players was sort of shunted aside in later years and replaced with more A-list stars on a sort of ad hoc basis. Yeah, yeah, that's my... Which probably was probably for the best, because they're pair of idiots and like shit true they just kind of dropped in for like you know 30 seconds there yeah and it's Phil, like Phil, Phil 30 seconds lads yeah and I mean Chris Emmett was he was what fucking he was Roy Hudd's sidekick wasn't he well the news I mean, HUD you... lines <laughs> he, he I... was he was um, you know he was a radio comedy actor and then suddenly he's on the TV doing visual gags, and he's out of his comfort zone. I think I don't know. I mean, maybe I've you got certainly... it, maybe I'm calling it wrong. Maybe I'm being unfair, but um... he's certainly out of my comfort zone. Mm. We meet our contestants, and then we uh, head into the first round. Now, even the, the bit of this program that's a more or less straightforward general knowledge quiz mm. is convoluted, ridiculous, and pointless. Yeah, and yeah. St- and stupid. And yeah. I hate it. Oh, right, okay. I quite like it because it gets, you know, what, what is it they've got? They've got 10 questions. 10 questions for um, £10 per question. Yeah. And then in, in the second round, they get 10 questions uh, and they can multiply. Every answer that they give multiplies by by that number. So if they get four questions right, the their winnings from the first round are multiplied by. Oh right, yeah, uh, yeah. Four. Yeah. So ultimately, you can win up to a thousand pounds. Yeah. The second round is called the elimination game, which rather sidesteps the issue with the the, the fact that the purpose of the first round is also to eliminate one set of contestants. Well, and can easily be called the elimination game. The thing about in, the thing about the second round. Is the the second round, the with especially with a pantomime element to it, it really made it look like a shit version of the Generation game. Oh, it was awful. I mean, they what did that? The the wives 
mm. had to run up the the stairs of the grand yeah. ballroom to grab uh, panto dame outfit pieces for their husbands, and they had to put them on, and the one who got the most on won. Yeah, I mean, the thing is... Right, An edifying spectacle. Okay, so the Generation game was doing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. And the yeah. thing about the Generation game, this is the difference, is that the uh, producers of that program understood that you had to have somebody who could react well in that situation. So when you're watching those people falling over and running around and putting on oversized clothes and this, that and the other in the Generation game, you're laughing as much at Bruce Forsyth or Larry Grayson. Yeah. Mugging away. Yeah, at their reaction to it. Yeah. Ted just sort of stands there making notes. Yeah, exactly. You can't... It's not enough to just stand there throughout that bit. You've got to be getting involved. That's why you're the fucking host. You're the centrepiece. You know, people are looking... He's an odious little pygmy prick, isn't he, Ted Rogers? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, he... he, he... He has got absolutely massive heels on his shoes. I did notice that. So he's obviously f- feels very insecure about his height. I mean, during the ballroom round the, in mm. the elimination game, I don't know if you noticed, he was always stood on the bottom step so as to appear taller. Yeah, what well, what you know. a vain little wass. That, that stuff is pretty funny. The, the, heel, the heel I did notice. Uh, the other, the other bit, I didn't Despicable. really pay any attention to. What? A... Um, but the thing is that he's a. And when they when they cancelled it, he got really arsy as well about the Oxbridge lot who don't want to give people proper entertainment like what we produced. You get through that round, and then you're on to essentially it's the money shot, isn't it? It's just the lengthy sketches or clips or dramatic interludes which are acted out and presumably are meant to be entertaining for somebody. And then whatever celebrity that they've managed to inveigle upon to partake in this ludicrous yeah. nonsense I mean, I had... will come out to the table and read a cryptic clue as to a prize. I did have a look at the actual timings of it because I figured, well, you know, it's Christmas Day, so it's, you know, I probably want to be a bit more specific about the actual day itself. And it was on at five past five in the afternoon. And um, on the other side, you may be interested to know, it yeah. was coming to the end of a film. I can't remember which one. I think it might have been Poseidon Adventure. <sighs> at 5.15, it was the Paul Daniels magic show. Oh, now they... Which, well, now, the thing is, that's interesting. Because that's, you know, that tells you a lot about what they're thinking they're doing. I don't know the extent to which the BBC are putting up Paul Daniels as being, this will blow ITV out the water. Are you saying that they were using him as a sacrificial lamb? I don't know. I'm not 100% certain, but it's very interesting, the timing of the programmes. I would definitely have watched Paul Daniels given that choice. I don't know. But it's a well-known fact. My family didn't watch ITV. Yeah. Not not out of any... In this house, we do not watch ITV-style thing either. We just didn't. There was nothing on there that any of us wanted to watch. So... ITV's... Well, it's shit, isn't it? It's shit TV for scum. (laughs) (laughs) I 
I'm not prejudiced against ITV. It's just it's shit TV for scum. Um, I mean, I, I don't. Oh, there's nothing on ITV really that I want to watch much now. But the no. thing is that in the modern age, everybody is targeted towards a focus group, and ITV's focus group is quite clearly women 35 up. And yeah. if you actually look at their programming now, it really is surprising how feminized it is in comparison with what it used to be like. And I mean, the thing is that if it's working for them, then great. You know, because at the end of the day, that's what you really want, isn't it? At the end of the day, they're a business, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they're so, a business. And, and their business is selling adverts. Yeah, and making TV programmes to support yeah. the advertising and whatever other revenue streams they have coming in. You know, that's what they do. And But I'm not... I don't think I'm in their target audience anymore. No. You know, and that's fine. It's cool. You know, don't... Hmm doesn't make any difference it's not like there's a shortage of other things to watch there's pl- yeah there's plenty of other channels i wouldn't worry but about back it in the, but the back in the day itv was very different well you you couldn't be so choosy back in the day yeah i mean you know crown court in the afternoons yeah well i would have changed my tune about itv if i'd um, lived in the crown court age yeah but i mean there was there was loads of good stuff you know the world at war the prisoner the avengers that's all good watching. Yeah, it is. I can keep going on that list for a very, very long time. Yeah, but also, three, two, one. But, you know, that's the thing, is that they had to be a broad base, because when there were mass audiences, that was how you maximised it. Ugh. But... It's the absolute opposite to today, when you have to be more and more... every every, every Because there were so many people producing stuff. This final round, though... The cryptic clues that they read out towards prizes, and it wasn't as if you even knew going in what the prizes were for sure. You could surmise what the prizes might be based on previous episodes. So they're having to think of anything in the world that it might be. Yeah. The only thing that they know is that one of the prizes is the booby prize, Dusty Bin. Yeah. And these cryptic clues are read out and they are completely at odds with anything that's going on in the drama mm-hmm. it's completely discombobulating nonsense yeah, it's if you don't ab- know what's absolute, going on and, that, and like I say that's why I like it it what? is absolutely baffling what does the rhyme say? right you're ready for this Cinderella's for the ball because she knew her friend if you know yours as well you'll win it in the end now then come no idea. No idea. Well, at least you owned up to it. You can hear the spanner again, which was brought in by Bill Maynard. Of course, Mike Reed brought, brought in the button right at the top. Which one would you like to hear out of these two again? The spanner? Slowly. slowly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice and slowly. All right. Bill Maynard said, my first is in crib, but not in tree. My next is in fairy, but not in free. My last is in Santa, but not in claws. And all of this prize is easily yours. So, what did you think it was? The last letter is either an N or a T. Oh, so I think it's a can or a cat. Can, can or a cat? cat. There's no well, R. We've it? given a, well, we try to give a grey. A dustbin can. A dustbin can. It's like yeah. I say. It's, I, I said to you earlier. I have mixed feelings on it. I don't like being baffled and bored. Look, to, to return to that, on the one hand. It's tacky, it's cheap-looking, it's comedians aren't funny, it's host isn't a particularly pleasant presence. 
The studio it's... audience are ossified. Uh, <laughs> the, the the songs are bad. The light entertainment is bad. The whole thing kind of feels welded together. The second uh, the sorry, the first round is far too long. The second round is also too long. The third round actually is also too long. The whole program so, is too long. So you know I mean, there the, is an the... awful lot wrong with it. But 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 but. Its weirdness makes it interesting. No, it I keep it... thinking. I think there must be something I'm missing about three, two, one. We should bear in mind that there might well have been eighteen million people watching this live. Fifteen million people watching this live. You yeah. know, this would have been a much watched program, and people. It got that sort of audience every week. You know, so it had something going for it. And that's what makes me keep thinking. I need to go back and watch this again. And if I watch it enough times, then maybe it will actually start <laughs> making sense to me. No, no. Because it's a, it's a you know, we're not, uh, no. we're, we're not, we're not splitting the atom here by saying that the riddle section on um, 321 is incomprehensible that is a comedy trope that is as old as three two one well yeah i can see that yeah but it still needs to be said in the strongest possible terms there's uh, it's it feels like a hidden code there is nothing in there if i can crack it it's just it's just nonsense this is how it starts this is how it starts this is 5g We've, got, I mean, amongst the guests, band vaccines. Among, amongst the guests that were acting out this play, you had Mike Reed, Nicholas Parsons, Bill Maynard. Yeah, yeah. you know, some not inconsequential names. And then when when prizes were rejected, each prize came with a bizarre celebrity guest. To bring out Dusty Bin, Magnus Pike, yeah, and yes. Barbara Woodhouse, uh, but but that wasn't even the most inexplicable appearance on the program. It was not. I wanted to get my facts right about this gentleman, and I was very pleased to see that his Wikipedia page now describes his career with sex offender first and member of Parliament second. It's the Asbestos-denying nonce, Cyril Smith. Yes. Mr. fucking Creosote's his way down those stairs. Probably on the lookout for any young boys. Vile, yeah. stinking slug that he was. And then, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. all sweetness and light, and you can you win a holiday to Rochdale? Oh, actually, it's Rochdale, Massachusetts. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, it was a big, we've sold you a dummy. You've missed out on a holiday in Massachusetts. And hang on a minute. Have you got any children? <laughs> it's 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 grim. To, it's grim to see him in every conceivable way. other questionable people pop up on this podcast already. We've had Ralph yeah. Harris. We've had Bill Cosby. But I think yeah. the, it, Cyril Smith was definitely the most visceral reaction I've had so far because he is just visibly an unpleasant person. This is... The the thing is that I don't know what the deal was with his weight. I know that he wasn't always that weight, was it? Well, I should hope not. 
would have made it very uncomfortable for his mother. I think he put it on when he when he got like into middle age or something. I think I'm not certain about that, but you know I'm not going to be like sizeist or whatever. His size is absolutely the least of his problems. He, he, uh, uh, it's I don't know how old he was when he died, but whatever age it was, it was a miracle that he got to that age. Well, it gives me hope actually. It's very difficult to describe how it makes you feel. Yeah. Because in me, it isn't anger or fear. It's just the sheer kind of revulsion. Yeah. You know, it's like you, it's like that feeling that you've got to put your hands up and look away, look in another (laughs) direction, close your eyes. It's just like, oh no, man, no. This was proper car crash television. This is too much because look at him. And I know what he done. Yeah, it's true. Do you know what I mean? And he fu- and the motherfucker got away with it. Also true. The motherfucker didn't. He didn't even do time. Speaking of, it's 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 it punches you. Yeah. It punches you in the fucking stomach to see him there. Speaking of uh, getting away with it, one of the things that you would uh, use if you were a hardened career criminal in the nineteen eighties was a brand new red Ford Escort, which is what the contestants, Mark and Carol, who were both, I think, in the Royal Navy, weren't they, on HMS Bristol? Yeah, I mean, I tell you what... What are they going to do with a Ford Escort on HMS Bristol? Shut up. (laughs) That is a sweet ride. You are not wrong. You are in nineteen eighty. That is a beauty. in nineteen eighty. That is a sweet ride. Oh. But what what's the equivalent now? Focus. Oh yeah, I guess so. But I mean, yeah, that's a decent. Most price. most of British quizzes at this time would say hey, it's a brand new car, and you're thinking, okay, as long as it's not a Datsun or a Mazda or a Lada. I always thought that a lot of the time in three, two, one, it was a Mini. Ford Escort, though. I mean, that's. But I mean, this is the Christmas Day. Well, I guess so. This is the thing, you see. They they're gonna they'll chuck a couple of grand in, you know, a bit of dollar up the price of up the prizes a little bit. One of the things I noticed is that all the things that they rejected, the prizes that they rejected, they were good prizes. They were they were decent prizes. It's our Father Christmas. Well, plenty of things that you were sort of thinking about amongst this whole sledge full of stuff. We've got a portable TV, a radio, a cassette recorder, video game, a silver ingot is here, a hairdryer, beautiful leather goods case. There's 20 old peas, fountain pens. There is no cuddly toy, but it's worth a lot of money, I can tell you that. Well, the one with all the electronics and stuff in it, I was sitting thinking, at the cost they were at the time, that's probably worth more than the car. Yeah, maybe. Well, i put it this way. A car like that in 1980... Was probably not more than probably not more than three thousand pounds. But it pays for itself with all the crimes you can do in it. A colour TV in nineteen eighty two, which is the earliest date I can think of that I know, was five hundred pounds. <laughs> so suddenly the value of that hamper has gone up quite a bit, hasn't it? You still be still be better off with the car though. You can get around in it and that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the car That's is the advice. you know the the car is the traditional. Prize, but what I'm saying is that it wasn't the only very good prize. No, very and true. Very like true. I say, it's Christmas Day, so they're chucking they're chucking some money at it. It's pity they didn't chuck the money. At, they give them shit prizes and stump up some good guests or writers. 
<laughs> or host. <laughs> or, or, or just or, or format producers. Or definitely studio audience. God almighty. There's a lot of Christmas goodness on display. So plenty to choose your festive highlight from. Festive highlight. Uh, I'm just scanning my notes to see if there's anything that I can... I mean, if if it helps you at all, my festive highlight is definitely the look of that hamper, the food hamper. Yeah. That was some sweet hamper. Yeah, that's there. fair. That's fair. If I'd won that at that stage, I'd have been very happy. Yeah. I would have pushed Ted Rogers out of the way before he could molest my wife. Yeah. Because I don't know if you noticed that. That really bugged me the presenters and everybody going in for oh, the are they very handsy that's horrible yeah. grim i think i've decided is it cyril smith no it's not cyril smith oh okay. my vote goes for another completely context-free absolutely no explanation <laughs> offered given quasimodo the 1970s unit of ugliness yeah at midnight prince charming turns into quasimodo because Dusty Bin's got all of his pantomime stroke everything mixed up. And the thing about that is... Because he's that an idiot. That doesn't happen in Cinderella. He doesn't turn into fucking Quasimodo. No. But like I say, Quasimodo is the is a standard unit of ugliness from the 1970s, you know. It lingered through into the 80s. There were yeah. even video games called Hunchback. Hunchback 2. It was quite a successful Wii franchise. I was pleased to see this unit of ugliness, which is really no longer used, I don't think. I I, I think the world has moved on from considering that. Yeah. And I think, do you, know, do you know what it moved on to? Go on. Shrek. Yeah, yeah. Shrek. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Shrek was the death knell of Quasimodo, and I'd like to protest about this state of affairs. Yeah. Shrek isn't even that ugly. Not really, no. Quasimodo's an absolute freak. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to Quasimodo shame anybody. Least of all Quasimodo. But, I mean, the thing is, well, you know, the, the, it's he, he, had a, he had a hunchback. He did. Is there any contemporary evidence that he was unbelievably ugly as well? If you count contemporary evidence, the film... The Hunchback of Notre Dame starring Lon Chaney. No, I do not. Then no. <laughs> right. Did he even exist? Was he just a character? Was he just written by Victor Hugo or something? I don't know. I, I would have assumed so. Good to see Quasimodo putting in a cameo appearance. And, and like I say, there was no reason for it. Absolutely not. Very true. And that's a very good place to end because 3, 2, 1, there was no reason for it. Yeah. And as far as Ted Rogers was concerned, and 12 million people... Yeah. Who still watched it. There was no reason to cancel it. Three two one, three two jog on, more like. If you wanna if you wanna find out about Britain, it's probably a good place to start, actually. None of it makes sense. It's shit, it's boring. And it's stupid. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like I say, I can't help but shake that feeling. Well, I, I. That there must be. I absolutely assure you, there's nothing there. It's like the Da Vinci Code. There is definitely a worry in my mind that you may have flipped now. This does feel like the start of a film that ends with me joining QAnon. Yeah.
Do you know that the Q in QAnon is Quasimodo? <laughs> so, uh, think on that. <laughs> Tomorrow, more Mike Reed action, as you have alluded to already. Yeah, we've got a double dose of Mike Reed. And a double dose of the 25th of December, 1980. It's the runaround Christmas special on ice. <laughs> Well, we'll get we'll get back to that. Stick a pin in that. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. Don't you worry, we'll be back. Oh, God. <laughs> what a load of absolute shit! And we're in the middle of such a terrible run of programs. It's just although by the time we get through tomorrow's episode, we'll be halfway done in our advent calendar. Oh, is that all? <laughs> shit! <laughs> yeah. Well, look at it. Look at it this way. When we started, we <laughs> were. No way through, and now we're nearly halfway through. But I've seen so much. Yeah, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. No, I mean, hang on a minute. Let me just have a. Let me just get this up a second, because honestly, um. <laughs> it's best not to look at it directly. <laughs> it's like looking at Cyril Smith. <laughs> only only the person it's going to molest it's me <laughs> which you could argue is even worse I mean you could argue is better I mean but... the thing is it goes up a little bit and then it drops off a cliff for at least three th- four five six seven at least seven painful things in a row and they're all gonna suck so hard anyway run around tomorrow yeah run around tomorrow um i think that'll do us for now unless you've got anything to wrap up with nope jolly good we'll be back again at the same time tomorrow thanks very much for listening and goodbye 